Thank God for the beautiful service, the good singing, the testimony. Thank God for the saints of God, the wonderful fellowship that we get to enjoy every time we gather together with God's wonderful people. Good to see each and every one of you. What a beautifully arranged wedding and reception we enjoyed yesterday. I thought I was in Mar-a-Lago. I never seen a table set so beautifully, decorations. It was just, it, it was just like we were entered into a, a new world. And uh, everything went smoothly, and we thank God for it. And Matt and Taryn are on their way. They're going to try to go down to Orlando. Not sure if that's going to happen unless they have floating devices on. But we'll see. That Anyway, they said they're going to launch out and uh, maybe go back to uh, Florida where they had planned to have their original honeymoon. But anyway, thank God for them, and uh, it was really enjoyable. Both families were very wonderful, and they did a fabulous job. And we uh, just thank God that that uh, time has come, that they've been waiting for for a couple years. Now, if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter. You all know this is the Sermon on the Mount. And just about everything that was said in that sermon takes in everything that's trying to be said in the Bible. So it's a sermon that if you ever read it, you don't want to read it fast, and you want to absorb as much as you can out of it. But we're also going to just condense that whole sermon down to one verse. And let's begin reading in verse Matthew 6 and verse 24. I want you all, if you have your Bible, to turn there, or if you have your uh, phone, you can turn there. Matthew 6, verse 24. Listen to these words of Jesus. Is just about ready to wrap up the sermon. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat? and the body than remnant? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Listen to what Jesus is trying to say now. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the valley, or of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet, I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Notice now where Jesus is bringing the emphasis. Don't look at the flowers now. Don't look at the birds. But I just want you to know God takes care of the flowers. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of nature. He takes care of this whole world. Everything's doing just what he created to do. But now he gets down to you and I, the apex of his creation. He gets down to us who are the apple of his eye. And he goes on and he says, Therefore, 
again, third time, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Talking about people that were, were heathen. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought again and again and again and again. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You got so many things to worry about. So many things to be concerned about. But Jesus is going to bring it all down to just one thing. The kingdom of God. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Just let me say this about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling as king, and that place is in our hearts and lives and minds. From the time that God created us, he was after one thing. That was to get inside your heart and my heart. They put him in a box. They put him in a tent. They put him in a temple. They put him in a tabernacle. But he wanted to get inside of you and me. That's why the Bible says his name shall be called when he was born Emmanuel, right? Which being interpreted mean God is with us. God from the very beginning, was looking for one place to live. And that's in your little heart and in my little heart. Jesus said, and this is where the confusion comes. The kingdom of God is not of this world, Jesus said. He said, the, G the kingdom of God is not of this world. He said, it's among you. And then he said, it's upon you. And then he said, it's in you. And religions come along and they miss it completely altogether. And they try to say to you and I that the kingdom of God is what's going to come in a thousand years. And uh, during that reign, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, and so the kingdom is going to come. So they take the heart and soul, the most important thing in the Bible, the most important subject in the Bible, and they kick it down the road somewhere in the future. When we need power today to live in this sin-cursed world. Amen? Religion confuses everything. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Not because it's not in this world. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is not in this world or of this world, he was talking it was not of this world because there were millions and millions of people that have not submitted to his kingship, to his lordship. That's the only reason he said what he said. Are you with me? Oh, it's so important you understand this. The kingdom of God, and of course the Bible says the kingdom of heaven and talks about the kingdom of God. And back and forth it goes throughout the gospel. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And people come along and they try to make a distinction like they did. Uh, David killed the bear and then he killed the lion. And the bear was the first work and the lion was the second. I mean, they're just crazy. They take the Bible and they say whatever comes into their head and they don't know what they're talking about. 
There is no difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God any more time than there's a difference of saying, well, I'm going home. I'm going to the house. It's the same thing. Amen? So the kingdom of God is not in this world because this world has not submitted to the lordship. The kingdom of God is not future. Never will be. There won't even be a place for him on this earth or any place else. The kingdom of God is within you. Everywhere Jesus went, John the Baptist, Paul, all the disciples, a whole entire New Testament, they all preached exactly the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Here where? Now in this world. Now in my house and in your marriage and in your home and in your kids. Amen? The kingdom of God is not future. Man, I love our songs. People look at our songbook, look at our hymns, and they think, look at those idiots. It's such boring songs. They are beautiful songs. They are songs filled with truth. They, we sing about the kingdom of peace with reigning within. Oh, the wonderful theology and the wonderful truths that religion is missing out on because of tradition and because of the way they were brought up and because they want to admit to, to, to the truth. The kingdom of God is new future, not future. He's reigning right now in the hearts of millions and millions of people. And, and to cap it off, the disciples said, how do you pray, Jesus? Jesus said, this is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's intention from the very start was to bring down the culture of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, uh, the, the ways of heaven, and set it up on this earth. And yet 95, 98% of religion, you go in their churches, you won't hear them even mention the word kingdom. And yet, that was the thing they all preached. Jesus said in verse 33, and throughout the entire text, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? What things? All these things that you're going crazy about. Going crazy over. Being stressed out. Full of anxiety. What things? So what are these things? They're all the things that we stress about. We worry about. The provisions. The money. The children, our health, our happiness, our jobs, our homes, the bills we need to pay, our nation with all its failures and collapsing and the crime and the inflation and the recession and the socialism and the relativism and all that's going on and the loss of absolutes and the loss of proper education in our schools and colleges. We're all stressed out to the max. Some are filled with fear. Some have anxiety because of all those things. Jesus wants to bring us back out of all of that and bring us back to the B-I-B-L-E. Because if you get in the kingdom, the kingdom comes with power. Paul said the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness. That's what everybody needs to start living right. It's peace. That's what everybody needs because they're going crazy. They don't have no peace. And it's joy. 
And that's what hardly anybody really has anymore in a real way. Hallelujah. How do we handle it all? We want to put God back into our lives, but at the end of the day, we can't get out from under the load. We don't know how to make it happen. We want to worship God more. We want to pray more. We want to learn more about Jesus, his word. We want to get our priorities straight. And that's where Jesus says to all of us, seek me first. You want to get your life all back together again? Seek me first. Not just seek me. But seek me first. And the tense that that word seek is in, it's in the present tense. You never stop seeking him. You never start trying to be like him. You never stop getting more and more and more like him. It's what you do the rest of your lives. Jesus said, put me first. That's why I said, you, you, you can't serve uh, two masters. It's either one or the other. If you try to go after all these things, you're going to miss the thing, which is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 13, they condemn us, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall find me, when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. And we hear verses like that in the Bible, and we say, my, oh my, my life doesn't even come close to looking like that. Joshua's words indict us every time we hear him say, as for me in my house, we shall serve the Lord. And what's happening? All of these scriptures, all of these things God says in his word, they, when we hear them, they start to nag us. All of the Lord's uh, priorities, they start to nag us. One of these days, what do we say? I hear it over and over. I hear it in conversations after church, in the vestibule, in the restaurant. I hear it every way, everywhere, and so do you hear it. What is it we hear? One of these days, I'm going to get baptized. One of these days, I'm going to start worshiping God. One of these days, I'm going to get involved in ministries. I want to be a person of prayer. I want to get to know God and know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to sing that song for God. I want to give that testimony for God like George did. I want to write that letter. I want to visit that sick friend. I want to have that talk with my children. I want to tell my children I failed. I'm sorry. There's so many things I need to do. I want to give God my talents and my time and my resources. I want to start building my life around the things of God. I want to talk every time. I, I, I want to talk uh, uh, everything out of my life and home. I want to take everything out of my home and life that Jesus is displeased with. How many things we say out loud and think about all day long, all week long, I got to do this for God. I got to do that for God. I know I'm not where I should be here. I know where I'm not, and I should be somewhere else. I want to get involved in Bible study. I want to learn those amazing truths of God's. And if you put God first, you know what you're going to find out? Take all the things you got. Take them all. Take them all. Take all the things you got. Is there a garbage can around here? Yeah, there's one right here. Take all the things that are bugging you, that are in your life, and throw them in the garbage. Amen? And then when this is empty, this one, 
Guess what you discover? There's room now for everything else that's important. Amen. Here's the principle, and there's lots of them. Priority determines capability. And Jesus screams at us in the text, if we get our priorities right, and if we can seek first the kingdom of God, all of life will fall into its proper places. Anxieties, stresses will lift like a fog. So what is the purpose of your life? What are you aiming at every day? What treadmill are we on running like crazy every day? I got to get the kids. I got to get supper. I got to take them here. I got to take them there. I got to go this. I got to do that. I got to finish this. I got to cut my lawn. I got to paint my house. I got to get ready for winter. I got to get ready for summer. Where's the emphasis? It's on all those things. And we're missing the secret. And the truth, what Jesus is trying to say to us. And it goes right over our head. What drives you? What you aiming at? Most people are aiming for so many temporal things that they get up every day confused and don't know what to do first or which way to go. God is not the author of confusion. The helter-skelter lifestyles, all the disorderly living, can't you see it happening with all this transgender euphoria? Men are not men, women, women are not men. We got Four million strangers coming through the borders of our nations. And we got the leaders in our country saying the borders are closed. And we watch it every day on TV. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are coming in. And now they're trying to teach our kids in school. Two and two is three. That's what happens when you take God out of your lives. You start acting goofy. You start getting dumbed down. And you start talking like somebody that don't even know what you're talking about. Like a lot of religious preachers. That's why the Bible says, stop it. Be still. And know that I am God. You can either worry about the world and all that's in it, and all you got to do, or you can worry about righteousness. You can worry about all your things, or you can worry about your soul. You can worry all about what people think of you, or you can worry about what God thinks of you. Where's all our energy? Where's all our thoughts? Where's our minds 24-7? The kids, this, that, the babies, the house, the mortgage, this, that, and the other. And Jesus is trying to bring us back to righteousness, to our souls, and to where our destinies are going to end up. And we're missing it.
Where do you think you're supposed to put your best effort? Well, Jesus boils it, it boils it down. And he boils all of life's priorities down to one verse. The whole Bible. One verse tells us what the main subject is, what the main goal is, what the main purpose is in life. Seek you, me, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Verse 33 needs to be read in view now. Now Jesus tries to put it in perspective and help us understand it. Verse 33, you need to look at it in the context. This is why people miss so much of what the Bible's trying to say. And in the context, just before it, Jesus tells us what we shouldn't be spending all our time upon. Jesus knows all the things we need to take care of. He says, don't th- Jesus said, look, don't think I'm crazy. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows you need to have food and shelter and a family and and a job and this. God knows all that. That's why Jesus said your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So come on back here to where the party is. Jesus is giving us one objective in life. Yes, people have drives, and they have energy, and they have amazing mental and physical capacities and abilities, but for the most of them, they're aiming all their energies in the wrong direction. Jesus says this is where all our drive should go first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Spurgeon said, Let us be anxious, but let your anxiety run in the right direction. If we let it happen, this world will run us in a million directions, and half the time we don't even know it's happening. When it comes down to seeking things with vigor, how many people put more energy? Oh, and more emphasis and more importance in pursuing all the secular things, all the temporal things, as opposed to the spiritual things. I would love to see people go after the kingdom of God like they go after garage sales. You getting the emphasis here? Of course, you have to be foolish not to understand what Jesus is trying to say here. Of course, there is a level of thought and energy that goes into our kids and raising our family and raising our babies and making a living. Of course, there's thought that goes into eating and drinking. Of course, there's thought in paying bills and looking into health care and getting education. Yes, but here's the miracle that Jesus' words is trying to teach us. If we put Christ and his kingdom first, God will see to it. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And he'll see to it that everything else in our lives 
will wonderfully and smoothly fall into place. When they were delivered out of 430 years of Egyptian bondage, God had to open the Red Sea for them. That's called deliverance. And then buried all their enemies in the same sea they came through. All Pharaoh's army and horses and all that stuff. Buried them all. And then they got into a wilderness. There's no shopping centers there. there there's no convenience stores there. There's no place to buy a sandwich there. Uh, there, there there's no Dairy Queens there. Your Heavenly Father knows all the things you need. So God opened up heaven and let food fall out of heaven three times a day for 40 years. God knows there wasn't any department stores where they could buy suits or shoes. So the shoes they wore in the wilderness, they wore them for 40 years. They never wore out. God knows they need water. Moses hit the rock. Out come gushing millions of gallons of water for all their herds, all their animals, all their flocks, all their children, and all their homes. You get the picture? God will take care of us. The point Jesus is making, when you pursue, the, uh, uh, pursue righteousness, when the pursuit of righteousness begins to be crowded out of our lives, that's when people start to have problems. Here's one of your biggest sacrifices. Here's where you and I have to keep the flesh under. When all our pursuits, all our carnal, natural, temporal pursuits begin to crowd out of our lives the righteousness of God. When people, places, and things begin to take the priority of our life over the kingdom of God, you are on a collision course. You just turned away from your main destiny and you're now headed for destruction. And what the world is doing to make things even worse, they're trying to normalize and legalize and advertise everything in the secular life as the most important things in your life and never a mention once of God and his kingdom. You watch the way they've changed the advertising and the commercials on TV. All you see is one ethnicity all the time. They're there, they're there, they're there. Because they're trying to make you believe that you are a racist, white man, white woman. Better wake up. Your TV sometimes not your best friend. It's bringing the devil right into your mind and into your children's mind and the same with your cell phones. And the schools. That's why there ought to be Christian schools and home schools all over the country. And tell all those crazy people that take a walk. Here are the right things. Hey, preacher, how do I know I'm really saved? How do I know I'm in the kingdom of God? Here are all the right things. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words... Are you saved? Are you ready to meet God? Are you serving God? Are you giving your talents and gifts to God? Are you a serious worshiper of God week after week? And to put the emphasis in life on the right things, Jesus said, what shall it profit? What good will it be for you 
If you gain the whole temporal world, all that's in it, all the money, all the houses, all the, if you gain it all and you lose your soul, what profit is? You have played the part of a fool. And let me preach this morning. I'm going to anyway. Because I'm not here to impress you. I love you. If you get mad at me, I just don't want God to do this to me. If you're concerned about the right things, you won't be deceived by the wrong things. It's the only way to live, church. Don't miss the heart of living. Where can I find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Right here in the kingdom of God. Amen? It's the only way to live, church, especially in these days when wickedness and lawlessness is breaking out all over America, much less the world. We live to be healthy. We live to look good. We live to be rich. We live to be happy. We live to have nice homes. But it's all vanity of vanities if it causes us to fall short of righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom of God. When people talk about being saved, all it means to many is they become a member of church. They put their name on a roll and they pretty much live the way, the way they want and they go where they want to go and they do what they want to do. No. Being saved means we keep becoming more and more like Jesus. We keep becoming better and better people and better parents and better mothers and better fathers and better uh, uh, wives and, and husbands and better boys and girls and better Christians. A new heart which used to crave sin. How do you know you're in the kingdom with power? A new heart which used to crave sin now craves righteousness. You used to crave cursing. Now you crave speaking with a clean tongue. The person who once craved lying now craves speaking the truth. The person who once craved anger and meanness now craves gentleness and kindness. The person who once craved pornography now craves purity. The person who once craved the approval of people now craves the approval of God. The one person who used to crave running around scantily clothed now craves wearing clothes high enough, loose enough, and low enough all the way down. Thank you, Brother Wilson. The one who used to crave hating everybody now loves everybody. The one who used to hold grudges now forgives and gets with kingdom business. The one who used to have a dirty mind now has a pure mind. The one who used to, the, the one who just sits on the couch all day and watches soaps now runs the vacuum sweeper and has time to read his Bible. The one whose lawn looks like he's trying to grow a weed field now looks like one of the best golf course fairways in the world. The one who was stingy with his money like Scrooge now spends all his time and money at all the tiny Tim houses. I'll wait for you to catch up. Are you getting the picture? I'm closing. I'm closing. What am I looking for? I'm looking for my clothes. God changes the heart. 
The heart changed the man. The heart changed the woman. And those people changed the world. When people get saved, their whole outlook on life begins to change. We hear a lot about fake news, fake money, fake politics, fake this, fake that. But what about fake righteousness? What about fake religion? Jesus said, this people draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Don't miss the promise in our text. Verse 33, I'm closing, but seek ye first. Sherm, come on and get a song, Sister Brenner. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that are driving you crazy will be taken care of, will be added unto you. Don't miss what God is promising here. Verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto him. Your righteousness will have a positive influence on people all around you because it will be developed and you will be developed and you will become likable and you'll have all the virtues of the Holy Spirit. You'll have kindness, love, joy, gentleness, goodness, meekness, peace, long-suffering, honesty, integrity, a good work ethic. You, you'll just become somebody everybody likes instead of everybody hates. Well, I know Christians are hated by people, but they ain't got no brains. Read the Lord's Prayer in verse 9. Don't miss this. Look how it's structured. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to pray first for righteousness. Okay? And for that righteousness to happen in your home and in your marriage and upon this earth. As it is in heaven. And then verse 11. You know what he says right after that? Thy kingdom come, this and that. Lord, give us our daily bread. Give us shelter. Give us food. Give us clothing. But before that, you're praying for the kingdom to come first. And if the kingdom comes first, God promised then my heavenly father, he knows all these things you need and he shall take care of them. Let me close with this verse. Sherm, Brenda, you on your way? You want me to send Uber to get you? Listen to this. This is a great chapter. In that night did God, I'm talking in 2 Chronicles 1st chapter. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, ask whatever you will. Let an angel come down from heaven and ask some of us what we want. Oh, I want a Corvette. Oh, I want a beautiful home on the lake. Oh, I want good health. Oh, I want a lot of money. You're looking the wrong direction again. Ask whatever you will. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father and hast made me a, a, to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now, Lord, this is what I want you to give me. Give me wisdom. Give me knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people of who can judge this thy people that is so great. And God said to Solomon, because this was in thy heart and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, honor, 
power, this, that, or the other. Thine enemies, to, to take out your enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge from me, that thou mayest judge my people correctly. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have ever known or ever been before you, nor neither shall they ever have another king as great, as wealthy, as rich as you are because you put me first. Hallelujah. Seeking God as I close can be a lifetime experience. You don't have to pursue the things you need. Go after this thing called the kingdom of God and everything else will catch up with you. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Paul says, whatsoever state I am in, I learn to be content. Why, Paul? Because my God shall supply all my need according to the riches of glory. You want to know what happens when you preach the kingdom? I'm telling you the truth now. Religion attacks you. Jesus had no trouble with the sinners. They loved him. It was religious people who hated him because his message clashed with their phony religion. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7, as you go preaching, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in verse 8, he shows the results of preaching the kingdom. You go preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out the devils. You get this thing in the right order. And God will give you power to cast everything bad out of your lives. And power to help people and inspire people. Romans 14, 7, Paul said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, you suppose, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you on earth. How many of you now need this power? You need this righteousness. You need a little more of this peace that comes from heaven. And you need joy that's really deep. How many know they need a little more of God in their lives? Probably we can all can say that. Well, why not come now and have a little talk with Jesus? Why? Because the kingdom of God this morning is here. It's at hand. God just dropped it into your ears and into your hearts and into your laps. Would you like to stand, please? As we sing... If anybody needs a little boost this morning, you know you're not where you should have been or doing what you should have been doing. But if you've got the guts to come down here and pray, and God sees that move, and I just mean by that a public mood, move, God will let that kingdom loose in your heart and in your marriage and in your life. Anybody need a little more kingdom power? The altars are open. Been a great audience. God bless you.
Yes, let God have his way this morning, church. God Give up. Let him have his way. Hey, this has been a hard week, but it has been a great week. needs God to take care of him this morning? Who wants to admit it? Come on down. Have a little talk with Jesus. Nobody's going to bother you. God bless your hearts. God bless you, Mary. I'll never forget your name. That's my mother's name. How many really believe that God can take care of you if you seek first the kingdom? How many of you believe God can take care of your healing? God can take care of what you need. He can take care of your children. He can take care of your marriage. He can take care of everything. He can help you pay the bills. The kingdom of God is nigh thee. It's here this morning through the gospel. As we sing another verse, there's others. Some of you may have never been down here, but listen, it'll do you a world of good. It'll probably convince you that you really mean business. It's not here to embarrass you or anything like that. This is a beautiful, this is a beautiful sight in God's eyes. Come on. Anybody else need a little help? God bless you. Cliff, God bless you. Come on. Come on, saints. Let's pray. Casey, some of you brothers want to pray with Cliff. Rod, why don't you come on down and have a prayer with your friend? Just have prayer with him, gentlemen. He knows what he needs to do. He's a child of God. Anybody else? Come on. As we sing one more verse. You don't know what a wonderful privilege God just dumped in our lap this morning. What a great God. sing I don't feel God's through yet we're getting there thank you Jesus thank you Jesus sing one more verse and leave it with you I trust I trust and I, I, I definitely feel like God has spoken to all of our hearts this morning I'm convinced about that because the way he spoke to me this morning at 530 it's been a tough week from surgery to this to this to this to here and I prayed Lord, I can't do this anymore without your help.
and the older I get, the slower I go. But I know that you can give me what I need. I've got this wedding, and I got this rehearsal, and I got this surgery, and then I'm dealing with this problem, and this one coming to the home. I got this, I need help, and then I got to come here and preach. I said, Lord, I've sought first the kingdom. Now your boy needs a little power. God gave it to me. How about it? Maybe you need a little power. This, we used to be much freer, and I'm not talking about nonsense, but we used to be much freer with our praise and worship. Now it's like pulling teeth. And I'm not, I'm not asking for any noise or nonsense. There's enough of that going on in churches. They play music so loud, they try to bring God's presence with banging drums. Nonsense. But there used to be a humble, solemn, amen preacher. Thank God. Anybody need a little more power? This last verse is for you. And I still think there's a few in this audience that really need to move. And I pray that God will have, not that you're not saved or anything like that. You just recognize you need a little more power. God bless you. Anybody else before we close? God will take of you. Lean weary one upon his breast. God will take of you. As we sing the chorus, you've been a great audience. How many of you were glad to be in God's house this morning? Amen. I was too. God bless your hearts. Close in prayer, please. You can come on up and do it. Seek you, me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And oh, I'm telling you, God will just give you everything else you need, whether it be a little or a lot, but it will satisfy your heart because contentment with godliness is great gain. Amen? It's all yours. with 10,000 angels. God, I just thank you so much for this congregation. And God, I know you can drive Satan out of this church entirely. God, give us power from on high. Bring salvation to everyone in this church. God, nothing is impossible to you. God, help us. No matter how close we're walking with you we can walk closer God weed the distractions and evil out of our lives we beg you fill us with the Holy Spirit bring true revival to this church 
God, we need a hedge of protection over us today like never before. God, put a hedge of protection over these children. Anoint their minds, these young people. We can't do it without you. God, empower us as we leave this building to lead renewed lives. In Jesus' name, amen.